Hey, 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 good people. How you doing? Hey, guys, uh, can I tell you that we have now been downloaded over 400,000 times? And it's all thanks to you for spreading the word and getting people to click the subscribe button. That's what we need. More subscribers just like you. It's a great day. I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling very energized. And I'm so grateful that you are listening today. Hey, did you know that January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month? Did you know that? Well, Janice Shelton is going to talk all about it and about her journey into doing this philanthropic work. She's an actress, author, philanthropist. But the great thing about this interview is that when we first got on the call, it's a Skype interview, but it sounds really good, so don't click off, is that she just started talking. She started talking about um, why she started her organization, Our Children's Keeper Foundation. And I had to stop her. I'm like, hey, I didn't get a chance to introduce you. So you'll hear that. But I just kind of let it go. And then I introduce her. So if it sounds a little weird when it comes in, then you will understand why. I hope you're doing well. I want to tell you something that I did uh, really quickly before we get into the episode. Uh, This past Friday, the energy on... um, the show that I'm a part of was not on the show, but just surrounding the show, you know, um, was a little off. And uh, I talked to my friend and business partner, AJ, and he's really into meditation. And I'm trying to become better at meditation and really visualizing and really um, putting things into the universe so that they uh, can t- come into fruition. And so he was like, hey, this is what you do. You know, this morning, visualize everybody that works on the show with a smile on their face and peace in their hearts. And I did that on Friday. I literally sat and meditated on all of their faces and with smiles on their faces and peace in their hearts. And when I walked into work on Friday, I was like, oh, my God. The visualization really worked because everybody had everything that I imagined and that I visualized in my meditation. And I realized that that um, happening for me at that moment in that particular scenario was kind of a precursor or it proved to me that those things can manifest in the things that I want in my life, like financial freedom, like uh, really being at one with who I am uh, internally and really knowing the God in me and really um, putting things into place that I want for my life, for uh, my life uh, as a wife and as a mother and as a businesswoman. So um, whatever it is that you are doing out there, whether it's meditation or prayer, just know if you believe those things will come to light. And I, I felt it. I experienced it. And that is very powerful. So uh, with all that being said, here's Janice Shelton. I hope you enjoy her interview and get more information about all the wonderful things that she's doing. She is a cool people episode here on the Cool Sora podcast. And here she is with our children's keeper. Enjoy. Cool people do cool things. But once you realize, look, I can't get what I need from that situation, I have to like do some personal self-development. Then you go to the next level. I encourage people to get out of your comfort zone. What was your normal before? You got to outsmart yourself. You got to introduce yourself to a new way of living. Cool people say cool things. You need to make sure that people know who you are and what you stand for. And so I learned I have got to have unshakable belief in myself 
to be able to go out there and demand what it is that I know I deserve. I'm Rashawn Ali, and this is Cool People. Just be cool. So this is real um, laid back. Uh, but, you know, I know you want to talk about your cause, but I also want to talk about you and your journey and how you got to even doing um, what you're doing with our children's keeper. So, um, yeah, let's just have a little fun. It's just a regular conversation like you're having with your girlfriends. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know what, I, Rashawn, I became interested in this whole sex trafficking epidemic um, maybe about earlier this year. Do you remember when those um, eight girls came up missing in D.C.? Yes. There was the eight black girls that came up missing, and it was so disheartening for me because I said, why is it that we're not seeing this on mainstream media? Why is it no one covering this? Why is it not on news? You know, right. I, I heard about it through social media, and I was so distraught by that. Like I'm like, you know what? This is crazy that, you know, the fact that our children, our black and brown children can go missing in this world and be treated as an afterthought, yes. and no one is caring for our kids, and the people develop value our lives and if these were eight white girls we'll oh, front and center my track to come in here and do a national search so i was just i just enraged over that whole situation and i told tamika my publicist i said you know what we have to do something i i, I want to be part of this cause i'm be part of this movement we have to find these girls because as a mother of six i'm like i look at these girls face i'm like that very well could have been my daughter that could have been my niece that could have been my little sister and i said this is what's the problem is that that there's no awareness you know, people don't know what's going on and there's no way that we can help or, or aid in the search when there's no media covering things like this. Right. So we got in contact with the foundation Black and Missing out of D.C. and um, made a great partnership with them. I flew up to D.C. They did a huge um you know, 5K and awareness. And I met with the family and I spoke to them. Um, me and actually Monique from Real Housewives of Atlanta, we actually went up there and we were their spokesperson models for or spokespersons for their um, event that day. And it was just so touching, you know, to see all the families there and to see how much um, suffering and how many kids are missing. Right. You know, during that walk, there were kids as young as six years old that were missing and still missing. Yeah. There's family I talked to she said her daughter um, came up missing and she's still looking for her daughter it's been five years and oh, I not imagine Rashawn like losing my child my child is missing and I'm going on day to day and I do not know where my child is I don't know if my child is dead or alive right so that pretty much um, spiked my interest with that and decided to do more research here in Atlanta and doing my research and talking to you know, okay I, okay let's I gotta introduce you I gotta okay. let, let's do it right because that oh, is no. so good no no it's so it's so good <laughs> it's so good uh, but let's I want to officially introduce you uh, Janice Shelton and you you are uh, uh, actress author obviously a philanthropist um, you were on reality TV all of that good stuff but you are just a, a woman who's very passionate mother of six wife welcome to the cool sore podcast for the cool people episode how are you i'm good thank you so much <laughs> my pleasure uh you are from chicago but you live currently in powder springs uh tell me about your, your chicago upbringing and why you decided to to settle uh here outside of atlanta Oh my God. You know, Chi-Town is where my roots are. You yeah. know, I love Chicago. I love the city. I love the culture. I tell people all the time, like Chicago has its own culture. Yes. You know, there is nothing, no other place in the world like Chicago. We have our own language. We have our own food. We have, <laughs> <laughs> it is truly a culture, but I'm born and raised on the South side of Chicago. I went to Morgan Park high school. Um, and then I went to college in Michigan and I love it. You know, um, I, 
when I graduated from college, I came down here to Atlanta to be with my cousin and my grandmother had passed away my senior year in, in college who raised me. So at that time, I'm like, oh, wow, you know, I really don't have a quote unquote home anymore, you know, so let me kind of start anew and come down here to Atlanta with my cousin and see what this whole Atlanta thing is about. So yeah. that's how I, I, as soon as I graduated college, I came down here and I've been down here ever since. That's been what, 20 something years ago. Wow. So yeah, I just yeah. been down Straight out of college, down to Atlanta. Down to Atlanta. And you are a mother of six. Yes, child. Six Woo, human beings. <laughs> so what are your what are the age ranges? Um my oldest Jaglyn, he'll be nineteen next month, and okay. my youngest is Brooklyn. She's five. So wow. goes from eighteen all the way down to five. Yes, Jalen just finished his first um semester at Howard. So very, very proud of him. And then we have two more that are coming out next year and gonna be following in the footsteps. So wow. definitely. That's yeah. beautiful. That's beautiful. How do you balance everything? You know, I mean six children and then they're at different phases of their lives just like you said you have one in she's in kindergarten Brooklyn yeah pre-k pre-k and then you know your son is 19 how do you balance everything girls called Hennessy and a prayer oh my god <laughs> <laughs> she said Hennessy and a prayer <sighs> Girl, I tell people that all the time that is the title of my next book my next book is going to be called Hennessy and a prayer no Thank it's you. not I love it. <laughs> but, um, but you know, seriously, I have a good team. You know, my husband is very supportive. We work very well together. So we've always been on the notion of, you know, even though we have a blended family, that, you know, we're never, ever going to treat our children as if they are blended. Like all of Thank our you. children are our kids. You know, we don't use the word stepmama, stepdaddy, stepsister, stepbrother. You know, these are all my kids. And if you don't know my story personally, you would never know that I did have a blended family. Right. Um, so that's how we, we roll. And that has helped us, you know, um, and they're my babies. And one thing for me that really helps me as far as just being able to deal with, you know, the day to day routine with the kids and working all that, I work out. And, you know, even though I don't necessarily like going to the gym every day because of right. all of that, but it's a good stress reliever for me. So mm -hmm. I'm able to keep it, everything in check and, you know, keep my chakras together. <laughs> right, 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 right. And that is kind of like my release is is actually working out. I have I have a good time with that. Yeah, yeah. And and you actually wrote a book called Married to Fitness. Um, I, I, have you done any competitions or anything like that? Yes, I did. Actually, my trainer is Carlos Jordan over there at Ultimate Bodies by Carlos. All right, but I did my first competition about. Um, Maybe about four years ago okay. and my first competition I placed second and then my second competition I won that show so I got my pro car my very um, second show so I'm now a pro um, bikini fitness competitor nice nice yeah. are you training for anything currently yeah, we're actually in the, in the process now. He's looking, we're looking at a show probably about in April. He wants me to put on a lot more muscle tone for this show. Um, so yeah, that's what we're doing, working out. I'll be back in the gym tomorrow. So we're wow. to a show that we're going to be training for in April. So my trainer and like everybody in my gym thinks that I, I, I know I can do it, but yeah. it's a lot of discipline. It it's is. a lot of discipline. Take me to, through, a, you know, what the training process is like for you when you mm. are preparing for a show. Yes. Now, the discipline is an understatement. It is yes. truly, truly discipline. And people think that, you know, you can work out and get the body that you want, but it's really not that. It's 80% diet and 20% working out. Yeah. It's really about your diet because it doesn't matter how many hours a day you work out. If your diet is not on point, you're not going to get the results that you need. Mm -hmm. And that's just, that's pretty much how it is. So I'm on a very strict diet. I just became vegetarian about maybe three months ago. Okay. Um, 
yeah, but prior to that, I was doing, you know, um, you know, protein. I still do my proteins. I just get it through my beans and my um, and my vegetables. Okay. So but at the time I was doing, you know, chicken and fish and then um, complex carbs. So I had my sweet potatoes, my brown rice, um, egg whites. That was pretty much my diet. And then I would have um, spinach, you know, things like that. But when it comes down to my workout, um, I did a lot of head cardio. Now, Carlos, okay. Carlos yep. me, he doesn't want me doing, you know, a lot of um, treadmill running or run on a treadmill because I thin out too fast. Mm-hmm. So we did a lot of hit cardio. And then from there, that might be 30 minutes a day. And then for the next hour and a half, because I work out two hours a day, it's all weight training. Yeah. Yeah, all living, lifting weights, heavy weights, and just um, leaning out that way. And people don't believe me, but I'm like, you know, I'll lean out faster lifting weights than I do cardio. I know people don't understand that. That they that don't. I love lifting weights, and it changed my whole That's life true. when my when my trainer when I started working out with my trainer just personally, and mm-hmm. we added weights, and my body changed drastically. Yeah. It really yeah. did. Yes. Oh my God. I love it. I mean, and it was, you were transformed so quickly. And then one thing with cardio, you know, you can lose the weight, but you have no muscle, muscle definition, no tone, you know, and I don't like that. I want to be fit and lean and still have my nice curves and be solid. Yeah. So that's what I get from, from the weight training. So I love it. Right. See, Mm -hmm. my thing is, I love me a glass of wine. I know you can't do that. That's God. (laughs) But I just know you can't do that while you're in active training because everything just, you know. Well, you know what? I just feel like, I'm not that, I'm not that girl. You know, I feel like everything is in moderation. Absolutely. And if I want to have a glass of wine, then damn it, I'm going to have me a glass of wine. If I've been <laughs> putting my butt out all week long, been working out every day and been doing this whole routine and been good on my diet on the weekend, it's kind of like to let loose a little bit. I may have a cheat meal, maybe one or two, right. not a cheat day, but maybe a cheat meal. And that's okay. Because if I don't, you know, still enjoy the pleasures of my food, then I'm not going to do this. It's not, right. it's not going to be something I can do forever. I still have to enjoy. I mean, I still like food. I still like my cheese not what I'm a cheeseburgers anymore but I still like my cakes and my cookies and my cupcakes you know yeah so it's all about moderation absolutely so when you decide why did you decide to become a vegetarian okay so I have always struggled with meat Rashawn like I really have like it's something that plays in my mind like you know when I have a plate of food if there's meat and a, a starch and a vegetable on there I just can't eat the meat by myself I have to mix it with other stuff on the plate and I know it sounds crazy but when I start chewing meat it's like my plant my mind play games with me like you know what you're eating a dead animal's flesh oh gotcha and see I just can't get past that and then most recently about three months ago when I made this decision I don't know if you heard of the documentary what the health oh yes I've heard of it my okay. husband watched it yeah Yes. So that right there changed my whole entire life. My whole girl gave me my life and and took it back and gave it to me all over again. That whole documentary just I I was like, oh, I'm done. I'm absolutely done. And it wasn't like a gradual process. People say, well, you know, you need to kind of ease your way into becoming a vegetarian. No. When I watched that documentary, that was it for me. I'm cold turkey. That's it. No more meat, no seafood, nothing. I'm done. Wow. Did you are you making your your family change as well? That, now, that's a gradual process. What okay. we're doing is we're slowly but surely starting to take away um, some of the meat out of the food, um, slowly but surely, because, you know, it's a process with them. Right. So um, slowly but doing it. But that's my plan is hopefully the next couple of months have them go vegetarian. They've had a couple of meals that they don't know. They didn't know that it was meat. It might have been tofu or, you know, mm-hmm. And so you got to kind of sneak it in every now and then when you can. Yeah. And I've been trying to do that. I mean, right now I'm on a detox that I'm doing with um, – Selena from the show, we are doing a 20 day detox and it's raw vegan. So uh, I understand the, you know, the, the uh, discipline that it takes. And so I I know that I can, and then I've made some, 
some dishes here at home, and I'm, I'm asking my daughters, hey, do you want some uh, Brussels sprout yeah. salad uh, with spinach? And they were like, ugh. Like, and then they yeah. smell it, and they look at me enjoying it, and then they're like, can I have a little bit? And they really like it. It's the thing yeah. that people don't understand, that they there are alternatives to meat. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. And there's my husband. Um, He's into it now, too. And he ordered some food from the, have you heard of the purple, car- purple, purple carrot? No. Oh, my God. They send you these meals. And the other night we had, I've never had a purple um, sweet potato. Have you no. had a purple sweet potato before? No. I've seen oh it, God. but I have not had it. Girl, it is so delicious. We had that and quinoa and um, this salad. It was so delicious. It was yeah. scrumptious. I'm going to you the link. It's delicious. The purple carrot. Okay, I just wrote that down. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. So tell me how, like, when you were a part of uh, Married to Medicine, how did you even become a part of that show? Um, well, you know, what's funny is that a friend of mine, actually, she's on the show now, Contessa. Yeah. She is the one who introduced me to the Married to Medicine. I was all against it. I was like, oh, no, I don't want to do no reality show, girl. No, that's black exploitation. No, girl. Uh-uh. And we went on and on. And she was like, Denise, I really think you should do it. You know, we should do it together. You know, they're talking about changing, you know, how they, they perceive um, black women. And it's going to be a new look. And I was like, okay, well, maybe we can see. So um, I did some interviews with them. And um, they came down. We did a Skype interview, then the producers flew in to meet my family. And that was like in October. I didn't hear anything else. They said it would take a couple of months. And I was like, hey, that's fine. Whatever. I'm good. I didn't want to do this in the first place. So I'm back to my normal life. And then in January, I was, you know, I checked my emails before going to bed and I checked my email. And they're like, hey, you know, we would love for you to come on on the show. And I was really excited. I got in contact with my girlfriend, Contessa. And I was like, hey, did you check your email? Did you get your email? And she didn't get an email. So then mm-hmm. that was a whole struggle because I'm like, well, I'm not going to do this without you. Be- clearly, I'm not going to do this without you because you're the whole reason why I even was interested is because you wanted to do it. Right. And so she's like, well, no, I really want you to do it. We went back and forth. Like, it took me forever to even sign the contract. I was the last one to do it because I was battling with the fact of, you know, I don't want to do this without you. Right. And she um, said, finally convinced me, like, no, if you're going to do it, one of us needs to do it. Go ahead and do it. So that's how I end up getting on the show. Okay. And then, um, yeah. Then this season, I know she's on the show full time. So right. I wish them like it's a tremendous show. So I wish all them the best of right. success. Do you do you miss being like there, like on a daily, you know, I guess a weekly basis now? Yeah, I do. I do miss the girls. I miss the girls. I miss the show. You know, I enjoyed that. I really enjoyed the show. Um, it was a lot. It was drama, but you know, that's with anything. Yeah. You know, but um, but I enjoyed though. What I loved about Married to Medicine the um the most is the fact that you had seven couples on the show, and they're married. Even though you have drama, they're married and they're all successful, and they have children that they're praising and encouraging them to pursue their dreams and their goals. And you have these successful black doctors and you know spouses that are. Are doing amazing things, have their own business, philanthropists, you know, just just doing amazing things, you know, and I was very proud to be a part of that. So, right. um, so yes, yeah, it's, it's a great show. Despite the drama and all that that goes on, that's with anything, but the premise and the mission of the show, I think is amazing. Okay, good, 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 good. That's good to hear. Well, let's talk uh, a little bit more about you and what you are doing. Of course, January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month, and you founded Our Children's Keeper uh, Foundation. Uh, tell me about the foundation and what it is that your mission is to make sure we move this cause forward. 
Yes. So our Children's Keeper, the mission is we are pretty much the voice for the missing. And we help with the search, recovery and rescue of children that has been exploited and missing here in Atlanta due to the child sex trafficking epidemic. Yes. So whether that is helping families with um, private investigator fees, you know, um, helping them and unfortunately with burial costs, you know, whatever we can to assist the family, that's what we do. Even if a child is missing and they have a police report and they file it with us or we have a copy of it on file, then I'll put together the street team and we'll go out and look for the for the missing child so whatever we can do to assist with that um atlanta has just been deemed just recently as a capital for child sex trafficking now um it's it's a 290 million dollar industry there's pedophiles here that has reported that they made over thirty four thousand dollars a week trafficking our children and they're going from the ages of, you know, I've seen it from 10 to, you know, 15 is normally the prime age. But I've seen them take kids as young as five, six years old and groom them. They, they kidnap them and they groom them to become victims of trafficking. And what's happening, too, is that the face of a pedophile has changed. We yes. used to think that it used to be just these older white men. But it's not the case anymore. You have madams and madams come in the form of like mothers or grandmothers or aunties. So they're very unassuming. And it's easy for a child to, you know, in um, um, you know, um, you know, see, talk to them because they're unassuming. Mm-hmm. Then you also have their peers that are in the school. You know, you have peers that are alluring them into trafficking and they use different language. Oh, well, you know, you're so beautiful. Have you thought about becoming a model? And let's do a photo shoot or, you know, that's the language and the conversation that they're having while they're in school. So it's a lot. It's a lot going on right now. And my foundation is just here to raise awareness and to provide a resource and assistance to the family. So, you know, the national championship is taking place tonight we got the Super Bowl uh, coming up in another month and I know around these particular events mm-hmm. sex trafficking is it's it's very high yes. and it happens um, uh, more frequently doing these during these events um, mm-hmm. why do you think that is and h- how can we what can we do as a community to help mm-hmm. prevent it or at least decrease the number Oh my God, that is such a great question. You know, Atlanta is number one for many reasons, and this we're actually a hub now. You know, Atlanta because we have the international airport. You know, mm-hmm. Atlanta's the largest airport, so it's easy to get people in and out of the state and out of the country is through Atlanta Hartsfield. But what I can say is that Atlanta Hartsfield has been doing an amazing job as far as being vigilant. They're doing a lot of posting, they did a lot of training with their employees so they can start, you know, seeing the signs and start detecting people or kids that may be victims of trafficking. So I want to definitely give major kudos to Atlanta Hartsfield Airport in doing that. Yes. Um, and then also, you know, you have we are I always talk about how our village has been broken. You know, we don't have the same village that we once had when you and I were growing up. I remember when I was growing up and got off that school bus, if I got in trouble, I had Miss Smith across the street, Miss mm-hmm. Jones. I may have got my butt beat two or three times before I got home to my grandmother. She'd be my butt again because that was the whole village that we had back then. We don't have that now. Now we're afraid to say anything to someone's kid. We turn our head. We don't want to be involved. And that's what we're missing. And, you know, I, if you really look back at on your life and uh, different experiences, everybody can say, well, you know, maybe that was a child that could have been a victim. If you ever thought about a child with an older man or somebody not giving you eye contact or yeah. they don't have 
your ID on them and they're looking scared or they can't, they can't, they're not speaking for themselves. You have this person speaking for them. Those are all signs that something is wrong. Something is really wrong in that situation. And any other time we'll turn our head. We can't turn our head anymore because that could have been our child. That could have been your child. That could have been your niece or your sister. So right. we just have to be more aware of our surroundings and be more vigilant. You know, be that nosy person. Go up to that person, ask them if they're okay. Give them a sign. Do something because that could be that child's last day on this planet. Because once they could become missing, if we don't recover them in the first 24 to 48 hours, the chance of us ever recover them goes down drastically, 85%. And then death rate goes up. Right. Right. We can't turn our head anymore. And it's affecting our children. Because our children, our black and brown children, what's happening is that they're quick to label our kids as runaways. So Mm -hmm. when our kids become missing, they label us, our kids as runaways. So that means that they don't have any any media attention on them. No one's looking for them. Now, a Caucasian girl, they classify them as missing. So they get all the attention, all the resources goes into their search and rescue. But when you're labeled as a runaway, you're labeled as a runaway. You don't get type of resources and you definitely don't get the attention that you need to be able to raise awareness to bring that child home. So yes. that's a problem. Yes. And and I wanted to want you to go a little bit more in depth about why you even started uh, your organization uh, from the beginning when eight girls went missing in DC. Tell us a little bit more about that story. Yeah. So um, I was actually on social media one day and it came across this post came across that these these eight girls were missing in D.C. And at this time they were missing for about maybe a week or two. And I'm like, why haven't I heard anything about this? Why am I seeing this on social media? Why is it not on the news? Why is not CNN not covering it? Right. So I was just distraught by that. And like I mentioned earlier, is that our kids, our black and brown kids can go missing in this country and be treated as an afterthought. Our our, our lives are, are devalued and the, the life of, of a child is devalued. And I just I just can't sit back in silence with that. You know, as a mother of six, I, I always say that could have been my child. And I have this platform from Married to Medicine I've been placed that I've been blessed with. And I just have to use it in a positive way to be able to raise awareness around this issue. Um, and so I got in contact with my publicist. And I said, you know, let's reach out to them and see what we can do. And got in contact with Black and Missing in DC. And I flew up there and I joined forces with them and also Monique from Royal Housewives of um, Potomac. And we just, just talked to the families. There were families there that their kids were missing for years, you know, have no idea where they are. They don't know if they're dead or alive. I met the families of those missing eight girls. It was just so, um, it was an amazing experience. It's a touching experience, but you know, it's, it, it hit home for me. Right. It was so overwhelming for me, Rashawn. So when I got back, that's when I started doing my research on the epidemic here in Atlanta. And I did not know how crazy it was here, you know, speaking to Dahlia Racine from, you know, the district attorney's office in DeKalb County and other people and, and, um, you know, law enforcement, it, it's just, it's, Atlanta is an epidemic here and it's a hub. And that's why I just felt more passionate to create a foundation where we can actually get out there, grassroots and really make a difference in the community because it's a lot. I mean, these our kids are coming up missing every single day right. and no one cares. There's no attention. There's no one looking for these kids. And can you just imagine a child, 10, 11 years old, being taken away and they're crying and screaming and they, they're looking for the mom and dad and the mom and dad is not coming to them and coming to their rescue. And they're being raped, being tortured, being beaten having and being forced to have sex with 20 and 30 men every single night at 10, 11, 12 years old. I can't. I, I, I can't. I can't. Yeah, man. And they, not, the chance of them never seeing their parents or their family again. And it's really right. innocence. I cannot. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, I, I have an 11-year-old daughter. So just thinking of her, you know, I can't yeah. even imagine right. that. What can people do? Like if they want to volunteer, if they want to be a part of your organization, if they want, they want to donate, what can they do? Yeah. How can they get in yeah. touch with you? 
And that's what we need. We need volunteers. We need donations because in order for us to keep this movement going, it takes money. It takes money to be able to assist these families. And there's only so much that I can do if I don't have the support from the community. But the website is ourchildrenskeeper.org. You can go there to donate. You can go there and sign up to be a volunteer. We have a big event going on January 21st. In a couple of weeks, it's a teen summit. Um, January is the National Child Sex Trafficking and Prevention Month. So we wanted to do an event that focuses on teens and prevention. So at that event, it's an empowerment series. So we're going to get teens, at-risk teens throughout the city, and we're going to love on them. We're going to encourage them and educate them and inspire them to be whoever they want to be and talk to them about the dangers of sex trafficking. Talk to them about how they're being preyed upon in school. Look at how to look out for the signs and how to protect themselves. And then from there, we're going to do um, different workshops. I have a young lady coming down. She was at my first event. She's going to talk to them. She was not only a victim, Rashawn, but she became a trafficker herself. She wow. said, but I was a victim for three or four years. I saw how much money my, these pimps were making off of me. And she became a pimp herself. And she Whoa. pimped so many kids here. And she actually changed her life around. And now she's an advocate. So she goes around talking to kids. And it's raw and uncut, real deal. And she talks to them about, you know, if I was still doing what I was doing, you were an easily prey. I could, I could have easily gotten you. And this is the reason why. Yeah. So she talk to them about that. And then do an image makeover. We're going to get, they're going to have their hair done. They're going to be styled, makeup. And we're do a professional photo shoot, a headshot. A lot of these kids never even had a professional photo done. So we're going to give them a headshot and we're going to talk to them about career readiness, how to, um, you know, be an entrepreneur, going to school, being all the things you wanted to be and all the dreams coming true. We're going to talk to them about that. So it's just about encouragement and empowering them to be the very best that they can be. So is this uh, information about the event on ourchildrenskeeper.org as well? Yes, OurChildrensKeeper.org, and it's on the um, social media, too. Our Children's Keeper is on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That is fantastic. I got to uh, make sure I send the information to Please the do. young ladies. In, uh, actually, I'm shared on my, my Instagram, but send the young ladies in my program because uh, we did a very similar event uh, two years ago called um, Our Treasured Jewels where we had a sex trafficking summit sounds very similar to what you are doing. And it's mm-hmm. crazy because it was absolutely free, free food, all yeah. of that. And we yeah. had like all these people sign up for free. And then yeah. you have 10% show up because it's uh, such a touchy subject. And, it, and people are like, I think I want to know, but then mm-hmm. I don't want to know. Right. And, yeah. Right. And I know, uh, you know, one of the, one of the, I guess uh, the greatest, what's the, what's the, what am I trying to say? The number one target is social media. The number one target is social media. So I'm sure that you'll be talking about that as well. Oh, right? absolutely. And yeah. then, you know, that is so funny that you said that because I have a daughter that's 15 and always on social media all the mm-hmm. time. People, they pray. They'll act like they're, they're a peer of theirs. You know, you can put your location on there. Everything is right there. I can know exactly where you are. You can pin where exactly where you are on social media. And if I'm a pedophile, I can go right on up to your school because you don't already told me who what school you go to. I already know the friends that you're associated with because I have access to your friends. Right. So I can create this whole story to make you believe that I am this person that I want you to be friends with. And that's how, you know, I can just go right on in. The lady that's coming to my event, she told me that the easiest way for her to find her victims quote-unquote is in church and I was like wow she's like yes in church I said how does that work she said Janice I would sit in the back of the church and do an altar call I will watch how many girls would go up to that altar call young girls the ones that were crying you know looking for something searching for something the ones that will go up there day in and day out every Sunday that'll be the one that I will attach to I'll go up to them and I'll befriend them and I gain their trust and that's how I'm able to lure them into trafficking she said because they're looking for something yeah. they're, they're missing something they're they're hurt they're vulnerable and that's how that's who i prayed on 
I said, oh, my goodness. Yeah. And then one of the uh, gentlemen at our event, um, he said that, well, it was another lady who had been in the been in the life and had gotten out. And she said her pimp would go to the mall and just look at girls. And if they put their head down, he knew he had them. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. They were sitting in a court, in a food court for hours and just watched their girls. They can tell by your demeanor, how you carry yourself, what you're wearing, how you interact with your friends. It's a science. It's a science that these pedophiles have. It's a, it's a science. And they know exactly just by how you carry yourself and how you look, what lines they can use on you to lure you. Whoa. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that you're doing this, Teen Summit. It's very important. And that's January 21st. And we're encouraging if you have a teenage girl, if you are a teenage girl. And even, yes. you know what, Janice, let's talk about that. You know, boys are being trafficked mm-hmm. as well. Yes. And boys, let me tell you, it's so easy for them to, um, to you know, beca- get the boys because boys don't talk about this, you know, because they're, they're, they're ashamed. They're embarrassed. They can't, they can't believe this has happened to them. So they cry in the dark. Boys do not talk about this. So it's easy to get a boy. There's these pedophiles here in Atlanta that they're currently under investigation right now that for boys that are 12 years and older, they're paying $10,000 per boy. Oh my gosh. $10,000 per boy that's under 12 years old to have sex with here in Atlanta. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and boys, and it's so easy to target boys because boys, like I said, are ashamed. They're embarrassed, you know, so they don't talk about it. So it's easy for them to um, attract boys into this. Yeah. And and like you said, the, the face of, of a pedophile, I mean, there's so many faces you have these corporate white execs that come down to certain areas in Atlanta. I know a lot about it. Yeah. And, and they, and they pick the boys that they want. You have, You've got uh, men in the church, black men in the church. And you hear what the the sister said to you. She prayed Mm -hmm. on girls who went to the altar. It's just a sick world. Yes. The executives, the white executives are the ones that are paying $10,000 for our boys, for our young boys, 12 and under $10,000 per child. Mm -hmm. There was a case in Lithonia. Um, that they had got word, they they were the neighbors were complaining. All these fancy cars coming up to the house, and they're like, "Oh, it must be drugs." You know, they must be selling drugs out of this house. So they got in contact with the police. The police was able to get a search warrant. They went into the house. Rashawn, the man did not have any living room furniture. He had human cages, and they were stacked on top of each other. And he had girls in these cages. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. He had girls in the cages and the girls, they just came. That's why they were coming in so frequently because they were coming in and like picking them like they're on the meat line. I want this one. I want that one. I want this one. The girl that they, and one of the girls they interviewed, she said that she could only come out the cage to eat and to wash up and obviously to have sex. And she had to go right back in the cage in cages stacked on top of each other. Human cages. This is, <laughs> this is, what has this world become? Yeah. So people think this is a third world country. I mean, a third world situation where they're bringing these um, kids from other countries here. No, this is going on right here in Atlanta, in DeKalb County, Fulton County, Cobb County. This is going right going on right here in our next door in our backyards right here. Yeah. And it's not just I mean, it's in the suburbs. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. everywhere. You mentioned Latonia. That's the suburbs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Man, well, so we have a problem. yes, we really do. But I'm so glad that you're at the forefront. Um, our organizations like yours, uh, we, we need them. We need to support them. And uh, we're going to do our very best to save our children. Yes. All, we, all we have is us. That's it. All we and have they're is us. For it. They're, 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 we're the advocate. No one, if, they don't, if we don't have them, they don't have us. You know, there's no one else that they can have that they can count on. So we have to make sure we do our part to keep our kids safe and bring them home safely. Ourchildrenskeeper.org <laughs> is where yes. you can find Janice and everything that she has going on. Instagram and Twitter. Oh, 
CK Foundation on Twitter. Yes. And yes. our children's keeper on Instagram. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for being an advocate and, yeah. and, and you know, beat your heart was pulled and mm. you, you answer the call. And that's yeah. a beautiful thing. A lot of folks' hearts are pulled, but they don't answer the call. But thank you so much for answering the call. Thank you. And continued success on everything. What is next for you besides, you know, making sure that we are saving our children? What is next for you personally? Oh, my God. It's been so, so many opportunities to shine. I just, I'm just so blessed and humbled. I have um, the makeup line coming out. You know, um, I'm right, working on my next book. You know, um, just been so many great things. I have another TV project that's coming up soon. You know, just so many great opportunities that has been presented to me since Married to Medicine. I'm just so thankful and humble. So 2018 is going to be an amazing, amazing year. So definitely looking forward to it. So you guys got to make sure you stay tuned and keep following me. Awesome. Sounds fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. We're going to make sure that your January 21st event is packed out. Thank you. And we're going to get you some volunteers and all of that good stuff. Continued success and whatever you you need from me, you just let me know. Thank you so much. I appreciate your love and support, girl. And I'm so proud of you and everything that you guys are doing over there. Just keep holding it down. Thank you so much. Janice Shelton, everybody. Thank you.